seven prowls. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. I know you guys are probably wondering, the four of you that watch it on YouTube, no, what's going on? You know, Dad's rocking the, uh, you know, the button down. I just got back from ballroom dancing with my, with my girlfriend, you know, doing some ballroom dancing lessons. We're sitting there, we're learning all the moves, and, uh, you know, they said, what are you most excited about, you know, and, and. I didn't realize she meant the class. I said the 2022 rookie class. That's what I want to talk about. You know, like I'm not talking about the bachata and trying to do all these different kind of dances. I'm like, tonight we got some fantastic guests on to talk about these 22 rookies. And on top of that, I'm trying not to have my phone blow up so much because the Smash Except Listener League 3 draft going absolutely crazy. You know, we have, we are approaching the end of the seventh round. We've now seen 120 trades in that league. 120 trades, that's almost more trades than picks. I myself am moving all around. I have not picked in the same spot twice. I love it. I've accumulated eight 23 firsts. We're going to talk about them 23 firsts. But Ian, talk to me a little bit about the draft and how you've been doing. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, as far as the 22 draft, I think, you know, we're, we're really undervaluing it a lot. Uh, you know, we were just talking about how right now the 102, to 103 is going for a random 23rd and i think that's asinine um but the the listener league draft is going awesome um i'm loving my team uh yours may compete after this season with me but i think i i think i'm the favorite yeah it's it's a fun league great guys in there we got maddie daddy we got a bunch of this wrestling theme but let, let's move on to the reason why we're really here tonight you know it's time the Super Bowl just wrapped up. It's time at Smash Except really to bring on our best rookie analysts that we can find. And who better than two of the guys that are in our Smash Except group chat. You know, it's a fantastic group chat. Great group of guys. First, we have the writer at the SGP Network and Yards Per. Co-host of FF Playmakers and Dynasty Dorks. And I'm going to try to say it correct. It's Jeremy Popolars. How you doing, brother? You are. I believe this is your fifth time on the show. We absolutely love having you on. Five. Jeez. Yeah, I know, right? I gotta start keeping track. I gotta start billing you or something. We, we might have to do that. We have to work in a contract, see how many times we can get in. What's new no, with you and what you working on? Me? Uh, I got nothing totally new, you know, not doing anything. You know, I'm just sitting here. No. Uh, I got a ton of rookie threads coming out on my Twitter at PopesFFH, as well as I'm sure uh, I'm going to be starting to roll out some articles over at SGPN, as well as Yards Per for just the rookie class in general, just kind of generics maybe some mock drafts some stuff like that pretty much rookie fever you know that's where i'm at and if you guys haven't checked out his threads on his on his twitter handle i mean that's where you and i met right like i saw your thread yeah. and i'm like yo that thing's fire you should join in with us and kind of talk some things up and love it you know so i've enjoyed getting to know you over the years and now we have the writer for football guys fantasy pros co-host of Devi royale and whose article we're going to be referencing from fantasy pros you know throughout our our whole process here jeff bell how you doing good man i'm doing fantastic i'm thankful and ha happy to be here you know we mentioned the group chat it's fantastic we talk great football in there throw whatever trade ideas come up throw that in there i've been putting out a lot of rookie content already with fantasy pros i've had a super flex mock draft come out i've had a multiple nfl mock drafts come out went through by top 10 wide receivers top five or top 10 running backs early in the process now waiting for some more data points to come in we had the senior bowl come in we had the the combine is coming in the next couple weeks so once we get some testing on some of these players and real measurements on some of these players i think we're really going to be able to refine those you can find me tuesday nights 9 30 the debbie royale that's where a lot of my content through the draft season is going to be coming out because i'm kind of taking a little bit of a break i have an article i'm working on with football pro or with, with football guys, that's going to be, it's not rookie content. It's looking at kind of the new coaches a little bit. And, and so I'm working on that and really just kind of um, starting to slow down a little bit because it's my busy season in my real profession. So I, I have to make it through that and I have to make it to April 15th and then crank back up more work. So everything's good. I love it. It's all about balance. You know, like we're all 
up and down, but you got to stay, you got to stay balanced with it. You got to stay hungry with it. And that's, that's, that's sometimes the hardest thing guys, you know, the Super Bowl always significance. It, it signifies to many that the football season is over. For us at Smash, except it signifies where our big time is coming up. You know, with all of our all of our rookie talk and all the things that we're trying to do to get you ready for 2022. You know, I think the biggest thing is a lot of dynasty owners they disappear over this time. Now's the time where you can really separate the men from the boys. But quick talk here. You know, favorite moments of the Super Bowl. Me personally, that halftime show just hit home to when you know college days, late high school, you know, listening to all that, all those guys rap back in the day, just that. And, and the game itself, you know, was at times it was good. Other times it just felt like these are these really the two best teams that we have to offer. But I mean, I'm going to remember that halftime show for years to come. What do you guys remember first? Yeah, I mean, I like the halftime show a lot. I think it was a, I think it was one of the better ones as of late. Yeah. Um, so I definitely really like that. And I don't know. I just like seeing Stafford win it. Um, I, I was really rooting for it as a Bills fan, even, you know, like Bob, uh, Robert Woods over there in L.A. is going to get a ring finally. So a lot of guys that kind of deserved it on that team. Not that the Bengals didn't. They had a great season. And, but I don't know. I just kind of liked it. I was hoping the Rams won. So, Ian, I think you, you and I both and I mean, we got three Bills fans and we got a Vikings fan in here. Since the Bengals did lose, they joined the elite group of being to four Super Bowls and not winning one. So but they've only know. been to three, but Oh, okay, all right. Well, you know, they're they're getting there. But they're that's still the only three teams that have been to at least three and lost all of them. Did, so. did any of you guys see the tweet today? This is this is the win of all tweets, you know. Dan Marino tweets out to Joe Burrow talking about how, hey, don't worry about it. You know, this this is only your second year. You might not ever kind of get back. And then Jim Kelly just nails it. He comes in, he goes, I made it to my first one and lost, and then went again, and then went again, and then went again, you know, and lost them all. It's just like, Jeff, what's your biggest takeaway, and, and what did you enjoy most about the Super Bowl? I can agree that the halftime show was probably my favorite part. I think as a Bills fan, it was it was hard to watch. Um, so I live in yeah. Ohio, and I have a lot of Bengals fans that are friends, and so – like my head was saying like, well, I'd love to see them win for friends and family and all that. But then my heart, I'm watching the game and I found myself pulling for the Rams. Um, I think it is probably that Bill's feeling where if the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl, I, I mean, maybe I'm out off base as a Bills fan since the Chiefs did lose to the, the Bengals, but it did kind of feel like the Bills were clicking on all cylinders. The Chiefs are essentially their kryptonite. Had they been able to play the Bengals, then I feel comfortable that they would have been able to win that game. And then if they would have been like to feel that that really was the Super Bowl, that 13 seconds, it, it yeah. kind of at least with the Rams winning, it kind of made you think like, well, OK, well, maybe we could handle Aaron Donald and maybe Jalen Ramsey be able to shut down Diggs and, and whatever else I, I kind of felt was my takeaway on that. But also you mentioned it was there were so many guys with the Rams that players that we've watched for most of this last decade and being able to see them get championships and kind of solidify their career and and really add that data point onto the all of him resumes that's kind of where that team's at at this point yeah and as much as I, I i say i'm not a big odell beckham fan you know i was rooting for him down the stretch it felt like he's re was reinvigorated the way he was playing again and then to see him go down with injury but then to see him come back and get get his ring and do the whole celebration thing that was kind of an interesting you know roller coaster there but let, let's move on to this this mock draft i mean i saw this article you had out on fantasy pros and jeff i gotta ask you what goes through the process you know like i have a lot of people say hey this guy doesn't seem to make sense here this guy you know and we all pick apart mock drafts and i'm sure you've experienced that all over the place but talk me through a little bit how you go about you know coming up with a mock draft because you know a lot of my buddies i, I shared it i said this is what we're going to go over he's like why does he have this guy going here this doesn't make sense i'm like listen it's a mock draft he's the professional he's the guy going through things but they were asking and now i'm passing that on to you so a lot of it is looking at, you know, I try to balance, at least in my mind, my evaluations, player, best player available versus team needs, because mm -hmm. as much as teams want to say we only take best player available, reality is they're filling holes in the draft, especially where it lands after free agency. This is really their last opportunity to, to address weak points. So trying to figure out weak points, trying to look at contract situations on teams where maybe they've had some veteran production, but that's, kind of gone downhill and they've got out on a contract or a player's hitting free agency. And so factoring some of that in, I think that when you 
I think there's a I spend a lot of time on these things. Like I'm talking like eight to 12 hours to, to do them. So they are mm-hmm. a heavy burden investment on time to do it. And so I don't know. It, it, we all love to play that game of like, well, he's a moron because why would the chargers take wide receiver when they've got Mike Williams? And it's well, Mike Williams is a free agent and they don't have anybody beyond yeah. him. So if he, if they don't resign him, that's going to be a glaring obvious position of need. And so that, and that's that actually a lot of it. From the fantasy perspective, that's actually my favorite pick in the whole first round, you know, that you have there. And I think what we do is we all love fantasy football, right? So we want all of our favorite players like Traylon Burks and, and, you know, and Isaiah Spiller. We want them to go to the teams that we want them to. So then we see a mock draft and we're like, well, that doesn't fit, right? So let's break it down here. We're going to talk about, you know, we're going to go the whole way through. This draft, unlike, you know, drafts in in the past, and we've talked about that a lot with the 22 rookie classes, we're looking at, you know, the top 10 picks. We don't have any of the skill positions players until we get to pick 11. The guy that we talked about last week, Derek Brown and I at the, the Senior Bowl, really solidified his spot. But Malik Willis to Washington. Now, I saw your boy uh, from, from Debbie Royale, Kevin, put out a poll, and that's at Du Bois. He put it out. If he goes in the first round, who would you rather have, Tua Tagovailoa or Malik Willis? And you guys are going to be shocked how close the poll is. It's 56 to 44 right now. If you guys have this, I mean, Derek and I were talking about if he goes, you know, in that top 15, he's got to be in the talk of Superflex 101. What do you guys think of Malik Willis? You know, is he your QB1 in the class? We'll start with you, Jeremy. Talk to me a little bit about Willis. Yeah, I mean, I like Malik Willis. I think um, for me, this quarterback class is very bunched. Um, I don't think there's a guy that's really separated himself totally. Um, Malik Willis definitely did some good things for himself through senior bowl practice and the game itself. Um, but for me, I mean, he's not my one, one, um, but I couldn't fault anybody. He definitely has that rushing floor. He's definitely a very good athlete that could, he almost is like Trey Lance kind of like, he just has that rushing floor, but yet has that great arm and that upside. He's not as big as him, but the upside's there with Malik Willis. So taking that reach at one, one makes sense to me. Um, you could argue that he has the highest upside of any of these quarterbacks in this class. So I like him um, at one, one, but like, he's not mine personally. Well, I think Washington is a nice fit because I mean, they still have, you know, they have, they have a quarterback in place that could hold the torch there for a little bit. I think Malik Willis, when we were talking last week, looked a little bit more on the raw side, but that, that upside is just undeniable, Jeff. I mean, like he looks like he's that, that, frame of I, I compared him a lot to Jalen Hurts I mean you said Trey Lance he's that evolution of that next you know Konami code rushing type uh, quarterback he's a very toolsy player you know I'd, I have questions about the arm strength measurement from the senior role because he supposedly had a significant stronger arm than Josh Allen and you know on the face that just doesn't seem correct to me and then there were some other things that came out later about kind of their measurements that basically the six guys there were like the six strongest arms they've ever tested or something like that. And, and so I, that Something's off. Throw up a red flag like immediately. Um, but you know, he's very toolsy and that's, I've talked about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert were kind of the two big misses over the last handful of years in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And basically teams just missed on the tools that were available there and that they can do. And, and so I think that that's, those are the things that are going to cause Lee Willis to rise to the top of the board when it comes to teams just not having a refined option, not having a comfortable option of a day one guy that they feel like they can plug in where Willis brings these tools. And that is where I put him on fantasy. I feel like he's comfortably the fantasy quarterback one in this class just because we saw with Jalen Hurts that you don't need to be the most accurate quarterback to turn in a fantasy quarterback one season because the game is just what it is. And when you've got that rushing floor, I think there's like Matt Coral is a guy that stands out as a guy that could potentially do that as well. But I just mm-hmm. don't see anybody else in this class that really can approach that. Well, and I think what a lot of listeners want to hear about is where do these guys stack up? And, and last week, I want to get your opinions, uh, the three of you guys. But, you know, Derek was saying that he thinks Malik Willis is probably the quarterback one of this class. But out of the big five last year, he probably ranks below all of them. I had him above Mac Jones, but it's just in that area of upside. Talk to me what you guys think a little bit about that. 
I'm in the same place with Joe. I just think Mac Jones, you're buying long term, you're buying like quarterback 18, which, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to do that, sure. But it's just that you're leaving a lot on the table. And especially when it comes to Superflex, I've been a big advocate over the last couple of years of target these quarterbacks that have these upsides because we're seeing quarterbacks scoring at a level that we've never seen before consistently across the board and when you've got this quarterback that can drop you know our guy josh allen you got this quarterback can drop 35 40 points in any random game and then you can have two of them in your super flex spots i just think that there is such an advantage to be had there in super flex leagues whereas in the past it kind of felt like there was more of a well if i've got any quarterback it's gonna be fine i'll take my 18 15 points and move on i just think that there's so much more ceiling because we're just gonna see more of it we're gonna see more scoring we're gonna see more of these performances throw for 400 yards rush for 65 yards and that's where i have it yeah i love that you you draft that upside and then instead of you know like there's a lot of times where you get to that late first or you you I, I tend to draft upside and then add a Kirk Cousins type. Add a guy there for some stability on the back end, but really draft for upside. Ian, Jeremy, would you agree with that, or do you have Willis higher than any of the big five from last year? I, I, I don't. I, I, I have Willis lower. I'm a lot lower on Willis than I think a lot of people are overall. I'm How I scout is I actually don't let the senior bowl and, and, and that kind of, and pro days like sway me too much. Um, I really try to just look at the tape and everything like that. And actually my, my QB one in this class is, is Sam Howell. I know I'm Jeff's probably going to look at me like I'm crazy. Um, but I, I really like Sam Howell and, and how he, you know, he has that rushing ability too, that I think people are, are, are not, are taking for granted. Cause he, this last season, he didn't have any of his weapons either. And he still succeeded really quite a bit. Um, so, so that's why I'm on the Sam Howell train. Um, I think he, we're kind of, for me, with everyone else so low on Howell, I'm seeing him as this year's Herbert or Allen, um, where the, the Willis hype is there. And I feel like that's more of a, a Lance type hype that's there. And when you um, say that you're referring to the guy that falls back in the draft, exactly. the guy that falls to that later half of the, that, that gives you a great return on investment. Um, moving to the next pick. I mean, you have Traylon Burks who I have is, you know, he's right up there in that one, one conversation at this point for me, he, you have him going to Cleveland, you know, which would be an interesting type situation. Traylon Burks is my wide receiver one of the class, you know, we're going to do our mock draft here at the end and I'm just going to gush about him like I did last week. But, I mean, I absolutely love this guy. Talk, Jeremy, talk to me a little bit about Burks. I mean, is he your wide receiver one in the class? And, I mean, the guy just, he's a yak monster. He's got the size. I mean, I'm just totally excited about this guy. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, like, fully broke broke down the wide receivers yet. But at the moment, um, it, it is Traylon Burks for me at one just because of what he is. You know I mean? He has that speed. He has the size. He has all the tools that Jeff talked about earlier in the quarterback position at the wide receiver position. Like he has those tools that are there. The athleticism's there. He might be a little bit raw as a route runner than some of these other guys like a Garrett Wilson or someone like that and creating that separation necessarily. Um, but I still like what Traylon Burks can bring. I, I, I see a lot of like the DK Metcalf, the AJ Brown, like mold. I'm not saying that he's going to be those guys, but like he has that mold. He's that big receiver that kind of can just still outrun guys too on the edge. So I like it. I, I think the landing spot in Cleveland is definitely interesting. Um, Jeff, I, I, I think it's interesting. I like it. Um, I don't know fantasy wise how much i like it but i think that's a great opportunity for him they they need that wide receiver one and i think that's clearly why we put him into that situation um expand on that one a little bit more jeff is like there's there's some people that have Traylon burks going in the top 10 you know i've seen him to the jets which i would hate for my elijah Moore, you know all over the place but you know what made you ultimately choose cleveland and are you seeing any other kind of information where he might even go above that top 13 i mean a top 10 pick we saw two wide receivers go in the top 10 both of them absolute studs and in waddle and chase i mean burks is that guy that seems like he goes first in every single draft we're looking at well i think there's a little bit of a disconnect from the fantasy community to the draft community when it comes to burks because i see a lot in the draft community that are 
simply lower on him that have him as really? you know wide receiver three or four that have him landing into the twenties. I've seen him at some very interesting later landing spots compared to how fantasy Twitter holds him in high regard. Um, I landed him in Cleveland. Cleveland really needs a guy that they can make the centerpiece of their offense outside of the running backs because they just don't have anybody in the wide receiver core. They have people's Jones can work down the field. You know, Jarvis Landry is a good slot wide receiver. Whereas Burks can come in and be that X in the offense, be that primary guy that they're going to creating scheming up touches, getting him the ball in space and letting him work after the catch would be, I think his ideal role. And though that just kind of stood out as, um, kind of the perfect landing spot between the type of wide receiver that Cleveland really needs and especially a player that can survive in that weather that you, you know, we know we get some weather games there late in the year. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of seemed like the ideal landing spot, but I agree that the tools are all there, that there are, it's easy to profile him as a major fantasy producer, but I do see some major disconnect when I dive a little bit into draft Twitter. So, Jeff, I have a question for you. The uh, yeah. comp I've heard quite a bit for, for Burks is a, a, a large Debo Samuel. Um, do you think that he can truly be used that way in that kind of like hybrid wide receiver running back that we're seeing these days? So Arkansas used him a little bit in that regard. They, they got him some touches schemed up, you know, reverse type touches. They did a lot of things where they protected him from the line of scrimmage, had guys line up and had him offset and kind of had almost set him up with a natural blocker, got the ball in his hands and let him work. And then there were some other things that he was able to win downfield. So I, I do think that that's probably the ideal for fantasy where you would want to see him end up in that type of role, that type of hybrid role where they're getting some backfield touches, but also using him in the passing game. Um, I, I think that there is fair. A lot of draft community is down because he's not the most refined wide receiver Mm -hmm. when it comes to some of the technical things downfield and the ability to run every route on the route tree. And so that that's kind of where those concerns come in. But if you're, I think that's ideal for fantasy Twitter to see him use in that aggressive role to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, I know that. I I love that a lot. And this, Jeff, this class, I mean, you know, everybody's down on a little bit, but I mean, you have one, two, what, six wide receivers going in the first round. I mean, this is a class where if you are in, in my certain situation or if you're a team that's like, you know what, I'm, I'm retooling or I'm, I'm rebuilding. I mean, this is a class where I feel like people are trying to trade out, but there's some big names in here, some wide receivers that are really, I think, are going to be some difference makers. Same as we were talking about before. You know, if you have Burks or Wilson, depending on where you have them there, how they rank up against some of the guys in this class from last year? There's no chase. And so I think that that's kind of, I think where this class is lacking is there's no Jamar Chase and there's no Kyle Pitts. And so it's, there's nobody that outside of maybe trail on Burks that people are excited about. And so I think that that's, we don't have the quarterbacks like we had last year. And I think that that's where a lot of it's running into on this class being bad is not having Mm -hmm. a guy at the top end. But when I look at, when I do like a rookie mock, I look through the early second round and I feel a lot of the same ways that I felt about the guys landing in that area last year, about where Rashad Bateman was landing last year, Michael Carter, guys like that. I I think that you can still get very good players towards the end of the first round, early second round. And that's something that on my teams, I've kind of been, I've been allowing the buzz on Twitter of people being off on this rookie class. And I've been buying in on those later first or those early seconds to get in there and get some of these guys that, you know, I know a lot of people love David Bell or Chris Olave's landing in that range. And I've seen Jamison Williams go way mm-hmm. later than what I feel that to me, where I see him landing, he's ending in that one Oh nine, one ten spot. That kind of reminds me a lot of Jalen Wada last year. Yeah. And, and you got to look at, I mean, I'm seeing on Twitter people selling, projected early seconds for those picks now and that's completely the opposite of what it used to be right I mean like in in years past even if they said the class was down you're not going to get a second for any first and I'm seeing people literally selling the 110 for early 23 second we don't even know what that's going to be you know a lot can happen Jeremy where do you rank some of these guys in the wide receivers I mean talk expand on what Jeff was saying a little bit yeah I think there's a good um I feel like there's a a meteor like middle tier, you know, like there isn't that top guy, but a lot of these guys, all these guys that we're talking about, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, 
David Bell. Um, you could even toss Wendell Robinson in there. That's kind yeah. of drove up the boards. Like these guys are all George Pickens is a guy that a lot of people have forgotten on just about how pretty good he is. I mean, there's some off the field stuff, some stuff going on there, but like don't these guys Christian are Watson, man, the yeah, senior I mean, bowl standout. Are, yeah. They're, they're solid receivers. Um, are they Jamar chase? Are they Jalen Waddle? Most likely not. Um, but they definitely have that Rashad Bateman style. Like, there's con- there's they will be fantasy contributors down the line. Um, so I, I like what Jeff's saying. You know, you have that that low end first and second isn't a terrible spot to be. Um, I wouldn't be giving them away, you know, to try and get into that 23rd class. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't think there's a high end guy. You know, it, it's very top heavy with a couple guys, you know, like the Burks and the um, the like Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, and then like maybe Bryce Hall. Like after that, you kind of get into these guys that they're just they're dark. They're like they're riskier than what they were last year. You know, mm-hmm. it's not as safe as you feel taking these guys, in my opinion. And, get- and I'll throw out a, a bold take there. I actually think as when you look at the twenty two draft, I think the overall from top to bottom, the wide receiver class and the tight end class are actually better than the twenty three class. I think twenty three class, you're looking at the quarterbacks and the running backs, which are insanely better. Um, but as far as wide receivers and tight ends, I'm looking at this 22 class with Google eyes. Yeah, yeah like the, tight, the, the tight end class is really good this year, I think. So let's move um, on to, Oh, go um, ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Real quickly. I'm just going to say um, Jackson Pith and Jigba, Kayshawn Boutte and Michael Mayer would all be they, those wide receivers. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Kayshawn Boutte would be the top two wide receivers in this class and Michael Mayer would be mm-hmm. the number one tight end. So I think that Agreed. I agree with you on the quarterbacks. There'd be two quarterbacks next year. That would be the number one quarterback this year. I think that there'd probably potentially be three running backs at least next year. That would be the running back one this year. And so that's really where, you know, I, yeah, you're getting these people that are going aggressively for 23 picks, but I, right now I think there'd be seven guys that would be the first pick in the 22 class if they were eligible. Yeah, and that's why, and I I did this in 2019 where I was like, listen, if you guys are rebuilding, now's the time. Just push them for 2020 picks, you know, and and I, I did a year one progressive struggle or punt, however you want to say it, and I got seven 2020 firsts, and they ended up being like Jonathan Taylor, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, you know, you know, there was a couple misses in there too, uh, if you drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, shame on you, but you know, there, there was definitely some misses in there, but I mean, this is the year to do that, you know, this is the year where it's like, if I'm going to retool a little bit, start selling some of these guys off. And we'll, we'll talk about those on other podcasts. But, we, I mean, that 23 class is exciting, you know. But we're going to ring it back into these guys. Let's talk about Drake London going to Philly. You know, we're talking about <laughs> can Philly miss at wide receiver one more time? You know, like what, what was <laughs> he as like? Three years well, no, two years in a row. But, like, I love Devonta Smith. Putting Drake London there in Philly, you know, giving Jalen Hurts or whoever, you know, potentially comes in there. That's 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 a nice addition to that wide receiver core and really upgrades that entire offense, guys. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, think, I, I like Drake go, one. Go ahead, Jeremy. You're good. We're still trying to find our flow here. We're just <laughs> working our way in there. But I mean technical difficulties, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I like Drake one in there. I think that's uh I, I personally would hope that Traylon Burks falls there personally. Right. Uh, I, I me think too. It's that, that bigger kind of guy that can play a side next to Devontae Smith. Um, I just, they really need a receiver. Jalen Rager, isn't it? Um, uh, 90 of the other guys that they've drafted just ain't, they ain't cut. <laughs> no, and, and I think that's the scary part in Philadelphia, right? It's like my dad's like, oh, what are they, they're going to miss again? Like, I mean, you know, we all seen the backstage where they took. Like the Minnesota staffs, like what? They took Rager, like over Jefferson, you know. And then the next year, I was tell- talking to my dad, and I was like, "Yo, we got to get this guy. We got to get DK Metcalf. That's in that range. Pass on him." Then it's he's like, "I don't believe in Devonta Smith just because, you know." And it's like, "No, like Devonta <laughs> Smith is a stud. Like he was, a, he's a star in the making. I mean, watching him get open, just Jalen Hurts, kind of like what we talked about with Malik Willis, but it's just." rushing through his progressions and trying to get it out too quickly. I mean, hopefully we see a little bit more maturation with him. The next pick, you have Garrett Wilson going to the Chargers. This is my absolute favorite. And some people said what you said, like, oh, they have Mike Williams. No, they don't. Mike Williams is a free agent. This is the most ideal situation for a guy to become an alpha in his, in it. you know, Keenan Allen's there. 
You know, this might be our last year of elite production from Keenan Allen. Garrett Wilson comes in as the number two, tied to Justin Herbert. And this is the kind of pick where we see in fantasy football where we just get excited, right, Ian? I mean, you and I were talking about it. Garrett Wilson, if we go off of this, I would move him above Burks. And I, I said that there's no chance I want to put anybody above Burks in my evaluation. But, I mean, this landing spot is perfect. And, and Dad, you know, I talk about the Vikings too much, but I kind of – he's not – on the Jefferson level, but it kind of reminded me of the Jefferson coming in as he, as Thielen kind of going out, that kind of situation. It really uh, mirrors that a little bit. Yeah, and I know this is John. You know, John hasn't been able to be on, but we've been talking, and, and he has Garrett Wilson as his, his wide receiver one in the class, and many do. Um, guys, you guys are the draft experts. I mean, Garrett Wilson has a ceiling to be, you know, what I think is a, a mid to upper level wide receiver two in this league. Yeah, I think he's kind of – he's not Justin Jefferson, but I think there are similarities that you can draw there. And, and I he's my wide receiver one because I think a lot of – the way the league has changed in physicality and we've seen a lot more go to quick separators like Jefferson that are able to uh, – you know, they're able to get the ball quickly, able to win down the field quickly as well. And mm-hmm. I think Wilson kind of lands in there. He doesn't look, he doesn't hop, pop off the page at you. But when you watch the tape, it's one of those things where it doesn't look like he's running hard, but everybody's get, getting further and further away from him type thing. <laughs> he, he's just, yeah. he's deceptively fast. And, and I think that that's where he just can run every route that you'd possibly want. I think that one of the things that I love about, you know, Brian Hartline at Ohio state, I think is the best wide receiver coach in college football. And what they do with Ohio state is they, they don't have the receivers in specified roles. They run them. They, they all play everything and they all run every route. And I think that that makes it difficult on the college level, but it's great for development on the wide receivers. And, and so that's, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited about both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in this class. And I think you you have to make sure you that you also separate things too, right? Right, Jeff. Like just because he's your wide receiver one doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be your fantasy wide receiver one. Yes. Yeah. Pick eighteen. Now here's the interesting one: is you know we got New Orleans. Sean Payton retires. You know we're looking at they are in the worst cap space you know imaginable. The Jameis Winston experiment didn't work. Taysom Hill. You know we're just. What, Sam Hill goes to New Orleans. Jeremy, I mean, how how is this something we should be excited? Is he a guy that can start day one? Is this someone where, you know, we can't pretend that the Saints situation is is ideal, obviously, with the, the talk about Kamara, with Sean Payton, those kind of things. But is Sam Howell somebody that can come in and start day one? I think if he's I had. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm I was going to say what you're going to say. I could tell what you're going to say. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's reason to believe he's the most polished quarterback in the class that's coming in. I think he's mm-hmm. the, probably the most experienced, the best. Um, I think that he's got the best NFL arm in terms of accuracy and arm strength. And so I think that it'd be very exciting. You know, I think New Orleans just kind of needs to hit the reset a little bit there. Yeah. And I love what you wrote in the article. You put his play style can invoke visions of, of Drew Brees, you know, and it would just being highly accurate. He's got the plus arm talent. He gets the ball out quickly, you know, and that it's almost it, saints are going to have to be retooling, kind of looking at things from that aspect. So I love that pick next pick. We have staying at the quarterback position and a lot of places where people are really excited to see what happens there with the wide receivers. But you have Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers, you know, and the Steelers have those wide receivers. They have everything in place. I think this would be a situation where Kenny Pickett really could come in. And, and I mean, no one wants to see Mason Rudolph. For all of our fantasy shares of Deontay Johnson, who we absolutely love on the podcast, and, and Chase Claypool, who, you know, Dave Kluge's always trying to jump out there and look at those things. And it's like the offense has the, the capability. Is Kenny Pickett that guy? Yeah, I would I would love Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh personally. Um, obviously, he's already there. We don't have to move very far, but I I like Kenny Pickett. Um, he's he's my quarterback one um, loosely um, on the basis that I just I like what he's shown. Um, he's shown progression. He's shown that he developed a lot year over year here coming into the senior year. It seems like it all clicked for him, and I just I like the arm talent. I like the he 
he brings still a dual threat. You know what I mean? He still can run. So for me, I think landing in Pittsburgh, that that would be great. Um, like you had said, Dad, like the offense, the, the talent's there at the receiver position. They they squared away with Najee Harris at the running back position, and he showed all year that he can handle the entire workload, so they don't need a backup running back, so who cares about the rest? And <laughs> they don't even need an offensive line, apparently. So, Well, I, I mean, I, I but just... does he have that rushing upside, though? Because he's not going to be allowed to fake slide. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not all about that. You know, Josh Allen doesn't okay. always rip off 40 yarders like 70 percent of the time he does. But, you know, it, those short little five yard runs are going to be hard to cover, I think, for any defense. You know, you get them turned around covering all those wide receivers. You're going to be playing probably a decent amount of man slash zone against them. And I just I don't I, I like it. I, guess, I, I think I guess, Pickett. I think I think Pickett could be the only. Even no matter where the landing spot, I think Pickett could be the potentially the only quarterback that legit starts day one. You know, and I, Jeff, we're going to add to this. The offensive line line was abysmal in Pittsburgh last year, and you have them adding, you know, an offensive tackle as well. I'm going to take a quick moment here because Najee Harris is my guy. I've been preaching that since, you know, day one of draft season last year. And people are selling him now because they're like, well, Big Ben's not there anymore. Uh, Yeah, Big Ben did dump the ball off a ton. But let's look at maybe more red zone opportunities. Let's look at maybe a better offensive line, better yards per carry, you know. And still, like, don't just sell Najee Harris because who's ever like, eh, Ben Roethlisberger really propped him up. Yeah, he was dumping it off. But we get the right quarterback in there, and I think we're going to see the ball. They're going to move the ball a little bit more. Talk to me a little bit more about the pick here, though. Well, you know, I, I almost wonder, is the offensive line that bad, or is it just Ben Roethlisberger was a washed statue back there that defenses were able to to come up, and they weren't afraid at all of getting threatened downfield. And I think that that – you know, that makes the offensive line look that much worse when the guy can't move yeah. back there. You know, defenses aren't worried about being burnt 20, 30 yards down the field. And once you have a quarterback that can move a little bit and potentially open up those things downfield, I think Claypool is the Chase Claypool is the guy that's kind of hanging out there that everybody seems down on ready to give up on. And he's shown the ability to make plays. If they get a real quarterback in there that can keep a play alive a little bit and work a little bit downfield to him. And, you know, I, he's also, we talk about the deeper role. Deep, you know, he's a guy that he's shown a little bit of ability on that mm-hmm. on, you know, end arounds and things like that, that if you get a little bit more creative with getting the ball in his hands, I think there's a lot that can be, that can work there. And Pickett's the type of guy that um, I don't know if he's going to be a like hashtag Konami quarterback that's getting you 30, 40 yards rushing. But I think that his athleticism is the type that keeps plays alive and he's able to, yeah, get, get a couple yards here and there. And you mentioned Najee too. Like, what is a rookie quarterback's best friend? It's a running back that he can dump off to and a tight end that he can dump off to. That's a rookie quarterback's best friend. So that. If anything, if they draft a QB, to me, that props up Harris, that props up Fryermuth. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And then talking about a rookie trying to, you know, upgrade him for the next year, the, you have the Patriots going out and getting my man, Jamison Williams, absolute dynamic wide receiver. You know, before that ACL injury, we're talking about him being right up there. And this guy is explosive. I mean, the, if the Patriots need something, they need some wide receivers. They need some guys to really upgrade that offense. And, you know, I, I see you put in here, the team could use him a lot like Jalen Waddle, and that would just be super exciting for fantasy purposes. Yeah, he's a guy that I absolutely love. That um, I He's my wide receiver three in the class. And while I kind of had to move London above him because of the knee injury, and, and we don't know if he's going to be full go by the beginning of the season or not, um, but I just love him so much. The athleticism, the speed, you know, he's at 6'2". Doing this mock, it was one of those where like I just have pipe dreams of vision. I want him in Buffalo so bad. Yes, like, I, just, I know. I, would love I saw Josh Allen, and it was yes. one of those things where it was like I just want this to happen, and it was like ah, uh, like, no, Patriots probably gotta grab him. Like I can't just slip him to my team. Like I gotta have a little bit. of here. <laughs> You just want to give the Patriots like you just want to start pushing them in your mock drafts. You're just the wrong guys, you know. But there are some <laughs> Patriot fans out there. You can have a defensive tackle. You can have a run stopper. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a bunch of those. Yeah, that, that I love that. The next two, because I want to keep moving here, um, 26 and 27, we have Pickens going to Tennessee, and then we have Olave going to the Buccaneers. You know, both teams, obviously, with, with Julio getting older, the Tampa Bay pretty much 
potentially losing a majority of their wide receiver core. Um, Jeremy, which of these guys do you like most? And, and talk to me a little bit about upside of, of both and how these guys win. Yeah, I like George Pickens. Um, I was high on George Pickens coming into the year. Unfortunately, the ACL, you didn't really get to see a lot of them this year. Um, but Pickens in Tennessee, I like that a lot. He's, he's very similar sized to um, – he's kind of similar to A.J. Brown's size, but kind of has that same mold. He's kind of a deep – like a deeper threat. He kind of wins a little bit more contested. But Chris Olave is a real good route runner. Um, he would be an immediate kind of replacement to Chris Godwin, kind of that style of play. Um, so I, I like both these landing spots. I think they're perfect for the players that they are and what they can do for the offenses that they would get added to. Um, so yeah, I like them both. Um, personally though, I, I'm a Pickens fan over Chris Olave. Jeff, Ian, anything to add to those two guys? Well, I think that, you know, I think Pickens is what I'm not saying he's anywhere close to Julio, but Julio aged Julio. I think Pickens could be what we were hoping aged Julio was going to be a little bit um, in, in Tennessee compared to that as that uh, that dual threat so that you have A.J. Brown and, and Pickens on either end. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what that could be. Um, not, always, not, like a fine, we, <laughs> not like a fine wine. It didn't age well this, this past not. year. You know, the wine is getting a little stale. You got Detroit taking a quarterback, right? The, the Jared Goff experience was not anything pretty you know you got Matt Coral going to Detroit and Detroit's an interesting place because everybody loves DJ Hawkinson everybody loves DeAndre Swift which you can see you know the jersey behind behind Jeremy there Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the most you know in my opinion overdrafted but it like hyped up guys you know moving from from that rookie class but I mean this gives them an opportunity to get a quarterback get a franchise quarterback and really start moving in the right direction maybe they'll actually use DeAndre Swift maybe I don't know. <laughs> Jamal Williams is too good. <laughs> but Jamal you know, Williams, I, man, they they feeding him good, Goff, you know. Everybody hates golf, but I think he's one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks. I do, but at the same time, <laughs> he's not a guy that he's you on the fringe. Move forward your franchise, he might yeah. be number thirty-two, but he's, <laughs> he's in the top. Davis yeah. Mills might might want that spot. Yeah, you know the the death match over the 32nd best quarterback in the league <laughs> we might set that up yeah the next guy we have we have 35th trey mcbride going to the jets no one's been speaking more about trey mcbride or the jets than ian on the show you know i mean trey mcbride is your guy and this is just another weapon for zach wilson i mean the jets there is a, a, a discount out there on jets players but the jets are starting to put some nice pieces together on that offense with Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, Michael Carter. I mean, and now you add in Trey McBride, Ian. Yeah, there's that, there's definitely that Jets discount as I think we've been calling it, that that all Jets players right now are, you can get for super cheap. Elijah Moore, even, even though you've been hyping him up every day of the week for, to me at least. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, I think Trey McBride would be perfect in that offense. Actually. I think uh, Zach Wilson does really need that, that blanket. He loves throwing down the field, um, but it would be nice to see him have some dump offs every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that a Trey McBride type would allow him a lot more to be that and I'm going to jinx myself by even saying this, allow Wilson to be that Brett Favre type that he wants to be. Um, and, Vikings and not, Brett Favre, maybe. Yeah, but no, but like, I'm not even saying that he's anywhere close to Brett Favre, but that Brett Favre mold, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you throw the ball, hope that your wide receiver catches it, even if it's in triple coverage. Like, that that kind of... Uh, that, yeah. I really like Zach Wilson, and I think Trey McGrath would only uh, bump him up in my rankings. I, I think Zach Wilson has a Mike White ceiling. You know what I mean? Like, I think he could put up some Mike White numbers occasionally. But, uh, no, that, that's, I love it. I love it. Uh, let's uh, – Jeff, before we move to – Jeremy's favorite position is coming up here because we're going to start hammering home some running backs, and I know you love the running backs. But talk to me about your last quarterback here um, – or second to last, I should say, Carson Strong going to the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos are desperate for a quarterback. There's obviously rumor about trades here and there. Carson Strong was someone that, you know, was apparently had that giant arm at the Senior Bowl, was kind of questioned a little bit. What have you seen from Strong? Well, I, I know the Broncos, they've been rumored with every veteran quarterback possible. You know, Russell Wilson or not Jared Goff, um, Aaron Rodgers, who anybody that they can get, yeah, no kidding. Kirk uh, Cousins, somebody, is you in know, there and, too. and so 
yes, exactly. Um, but this under this scenario, I kind of said if they don't get anybody, they have to bring somebody in to compete. And if they don't mm-hmm. go early in the draft, then you know at least Carson Strong is a live arm that they can throw in there and and compete with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke and mm-hmm. just kind of you know he did not have a very good senior bowl and there were a lot of kind of whispers about his um you know his attitude about the senior bowl and and he had mm-hmm. essentially openly questioned the coaching staff and so this might even be a, an aggressive landing spot for him to go even this early in this mock but it was one of those that if if I'm not giving them a quarterback in free agency they've got to do something they do. They do. Moving on to 43, Christian Watson, another guy's star at the Super Bowl, goes to the – or Senior Bowl, goes to the Falcons. And now I want to move to the to your guys, Jeremy, because the next three picks are your guys, you know, and I keep seeing that. You got Brees Hall going to the Ravens, Isaiah Spiller going to the Chargers. While we're staying on the running backs here, and then since we're in that same area, Kenneth Walker going to the Cardinals, which arguably out of those three is the – what I think the, the best landing spot. Talk to me about these three running backs because, like, Running backs are your thing. I've seen your threads on them. They're fantastic. And I know one of these guys sticks out to you as the RB1 in this class. Yeah, I think Brees Hall is, is the RB1. Um, I think he's just he's had three productive years at Iowa State. I mean, he's proven he doesn't need to prove anything else at the collegiate level for me. Um, I, I just think that he... He's he's a solid running back. Um, I mean, his upside, like he's not like Jonathan Taylor or he's not... Maybe not Najee Harris. I, I think he could compete with Najee Harris, but I just feel like that he's not like a generational running back, but I just think that he's the most complete running back at this state for these guys. Um, and I just, I like him a lot, although I don't love him at the Ravens, Jeff, just because now you're <laughs> killing every of my fantasy team with JK Dobbins. But it, th- your argument made sense in the article. I read it, I get it. You got two running backs returning off ACLs. What I mean, what's your situation? Both of them could not even finish the season. So I get it. Possibly taking one. And if they're going to take one, why not take the best one? Makes sense to me. Um, but I do like Kenneth Walker in Arizona, too. I think that that's a nice fit for him. Um, I, I feel like that's going to be an upgrade on James Conner, kind of that same role. He can play that little bit bigger I think he can I think he'll be do fine in the receiving game at the NFL level I know a lot of people are knocking it because he doesn't have it at the collegiate level but we had that same argument with Jonathan Taylor and see what he did this year um it's it's just in the it just I I feel like it's just a way to knock a good running back because everybody's just like I didn't catch the ball in college well sometimes some offenses just don't throw the ball to running backs in college that's just what they don't do so um and then Isaiah Spiller at the Chargers is a nice fit I think he'd be a great compliment to Austin Eckler slash takeover for Austin Eckler in a year. Yeah, and I mean, I think whoever goes to that Cardinal situation with Chase Edmonds really getting injured every single year, all the time, you know, like that is a guy that I'm like low-key going to be moving up the boards, you know, and and I love that landing spot there. Uh, Jeff, out of these three guys, you know, who's that running back for you that you're saying this is the guy that I got to have? I'm with Jeremy and Brees Hall, I think is the running back one in this class. And I don't think despite kind of the opinions on the class this year, I don't think the running backs this year are all that different than the running backs last year. Um, I, I think Spiller and Hall could easily end up right there with Najee Harris and Javonta Williams when it comes down to it, especially once they slap the rookie fever on it. And, you know, I, th- I think we're already seeing a little bit with Brees Hall. It kind of seems like people are getting, getting all in on him and it's one of those that um you know doing these exercises the reality of it is you don't see a lot of teams say this that in the draft there's really like 18 ish first round players and then you kind of have a big wide spread between like pick 20 ish to almost pick 60 65 70 where the talent pool of that players are very similar and things kind of land within team needs and that once kind of those blue chip players are all off the board. And I think that that's, it's hard because figuring out where to put these running backs because a team in the end of the first round, you know, the chiefs, the bills, the the Cardinals could go ahead and grab Brees Hall right there. And we'd love it for fantasy, but at the same time, they might decide that they need to address more pressing needs and allow them to move down the board. So yeah. since you all are, are Bills fans, and I know the fantasy community really wants the Bills to draft a running back, do you see them rolling with, with Singletary or or getting a guy maybe in the fourth round or something? 
I think second or third. I think they'll take a stab at one of these guys. They're not taking him in the first round. I just this off this this coaching regime, in my opinion, doesn't believe in that. I don't mm-hmm. think that. I mean, your running back is Josh Allen at this point, and you're still going to want to use him in that asset where he's still dual faceted, and the defense has to account for him. It just helps your offense move the ball. Um, and I think Singletary proved a lot this year. Um, I think he kind of showed what we hoped he was when he came out. So I think that they're going to definitely address the cornerback position because once they lost Trey White, that was that was tough. So I think the first round is out for me for them taking a running back. So I think you're going to see somebody like Kenneth Walker or Spiller or like Rashad White or James Cook, somebody that's a, more of a a later pick, but somebody that might fill in. And you might see kind of what we saw with Zach Moss and Singletary for a little bit. I don't know if you're going to get that. I'll throw another name out there. Kieran Williams, too. I think he yeah. fit really well. Kieran Williams or Algier. I mean, yeah, I think you'll see somebody like that. And Jeff, I have another question for you. So this year is is the largest, the most players that have ever declared for the draft ever. How do you think that affects strategy for teams going into the draft? Well, I think last year, last year was the pandemic year. And so teams weren't able to scout properly. And I think that that caused a lot of, we didn't see, it didn't seem like we saw like that many late guys or undrafted guys who were even able to make rosters and make any sort of impact. And I think this year you're going to have a lot more, especially with the running back class. It's, it's, um, you know, I don't know. People say that it's very shallow. And I think that when you look at it, there are, there are a lot of guys that can make rosters and work in rotations in this running back class. And so in some regards, you can say it's not deep because there's not the top end talent, but at the same time, Again, you can just go through and, you know, guys like Damian Pierce or a guy like Brian Robinson or a guy like Mm -hmm. James Cook or, you know, these guys can make rosters and get and take roles and and take fantasy points off of the guys that we're all hoping are going to be bell cows. And we've seen those kind of guys, you know, get the the guys that have a smaller role. You, you stash them on your team. You know, you take them in that late second. You get one of those running backs. Now, all of a sudden, they get an opportunity and they flash, and you can flip that quick, you know, and that's that's the exciting part about rookie drafts. The cool thing now is, I, and I promised all of our listeners we would get a mock draft in here, and I, 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 you know, I didn't want to skip over the last couple of picks there. You know, we had David Bell go to the Vikings, which is actually pretty exciting. Desmond Ritter to the Falcons, finally getting their quarterback, and then Wandale Robinson to the Chiefs just for another weapon, just for some fun, right, for Mahomes. Uh, but I wanted to jump into this mock draft, and we're going to do a one-quarterback just – First round, so you guys can get an idea. This is your point where each guy, you know, we're going to just gush about our guy for a little bit. Since I'm running the show, I took the first pick because you guys are the experts. You guys can think a little bit deeper. I've been talking about Traylon Burks for weeks, so you guys don't need to hear too much more. But the size, the athleticism, number one in Yak last year. I mean, we, we talked about maybe A.J. Brown with a little bit more wiggle, a bigger Debo Samuel. I mean, those kind of comps. You know, and Jeff, I can't wait for you to compare some of our rookies to things. You know, I'm excited to see that on, on Twitter coming up here. But uh, he's just smooth for his size. I think he's my not wide receiver one. I think when the actual draft comes, because you guys know how it is, you know, like we, we get the running back that hits that landing spot and they'll probably move to the 101 for most people because we none of us have any patience. We just want that running back to start day one, even though we end up getting guys like Jamar Chase who popped into that spot. He didn't even go one in most of our drafts last year. So, Jeff, since this was your article, I gave you the second pick. So let's let's hit it up. Yeah, I went with Garrett Wilson in this pick. Um, you know, he's my wide receiver one. You're putting him with the Chargers. And I just want the people of Twitter to know that teams are allowed to have good three good wide receivers. There's there's something on Twitter that anytime you say, I want this team to have three good wide receivers, everybody, well, Gabe Davis, the Bills couldn't possibly add another wide receiver. It's Gabe Davis's turn to be a good wide receiver. Teams can have three good wide receivers, as we've seen from the Cincinnati Bengals making the Super Bowl. Yeah. I like it. And and as a Bills fan, we'll take as many wide receivers as possible. Right. Cole Beasley's kind of washed, but I want McKenzie back. Anyways, we'll, we'll do a Bills podcast later. Ian, you were up with that three pick, and I was really worried you were going to take one of Jeremy's guys, and he would have he been <laughs> quite upset with you. Um, I think that I 
Jeff, I really extremely hated the placement for those two running backs. So <laughs> I don't think that's why that's why I couldn't like with a, a passion. I hated it as far for fantasy. Um, so that's why I couldn't take one of those guys. Um, I, I was really tempted to to take Drake London here. Um, I think Drake London would have been a really good pick, but I, I actually went with George Pickens. I really like that placement in, in Tennessee. Um, I think that he would be a really good compliment to AJ Brown and, and get a lot of targets there and really have a lot of opportunity and, and opportunity wins in fantasy. I like it. And Jeremy, since you're the fifth time on the pod, you know, it's like I had to give you two running backs here. We had to put you in a spot, give you a chance to really kill the snake draft in a four person draft. What'd you do? Uh, I went Bryce Hall and Isaiah Spiller. Um, I took the running back since nobody else wants them. Um, I'll just take them. Uh, no, I liked it. I I know um, Jeff had Bryce Hall in Baltimore. If that situation handles out like that, it's kind of a damper on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a good situation. Like I mentioned, you know, Dobbins and Edwards coming off ACLs. I think that Bryce Hall in that offense with that offensive line and how heavy they run the ball, I, I there's still fantasy value there. And Isaiah Spiller with the Chargers, I like that. Um, Austin Eckler has kind of had slight injury issues. Um, not a ton, like he's not like injury prone, but I mean, he, it's there. He's getting up in age. I think Isaiah Spiller in a high-powered offense could be definitely something to, I would be all in on. So, for sure, Ian, you're up again. Yep, I, I went with Kenneth Walker here. I think with these placements, I think I would be really tempted to take. Kenneth Walker over uh, uh, Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, just because I really don't like those teams drafting them. I think that the Chargers, uh, you know, Isaiah Spiller is a better placement than Brees Hall, but Brees Hall would make me cry if he went to the Ravens just a little bit. Um, But I think Kenneth Walker can really be that guy. I think, you know, you know, there is a, for me, it's one A and one B with, with Brees Hall and, and Isaiah Spiller, but Kenneth Walker really isn't that far behind. And the next one, you know, at this point, and and, ta- and listen to what you had to say, Jeff, that, it, you know, he's getting put in that 1-9 range. I mean, I'm going to be trading up a lot to get Jamison Williams. You know, 6-1, amazing explosiveness. I mean, his ability to stretch the field and track deep balls. I mean, this guy is a track star, right? So this is someone who really could upgrade that offense wherever he goes. His numbers were phenomenal. I mean, 79 for 15, over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. This is a guy that I'm just thrilled to get at this point in our draft. And then, not quite as exciting, but just, you know, very good, you know, base floor is a guy that Chris Olave, very fluid in his movements, a guy that I can think can win at all three levels of the field, good ball handling, not the best with the yak, but a guy that I think is going to be a solid wide receiver too, potentially in this league, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to have him in there. Jeff, Ian, Jeremy, you each have one more pick. Jeff, are you going to change things up here in the one quarterback league? Yeah, I went ahead and so I take Drake London right before you got Jamison Williams, uh, the big X playing for Philadelphia. And then I took Malik Willis with my last pick here. You know, one quarterback, uh, they we see quarterbacks land out and certainly one quarterback. You might not see a quarterback go in your first round this year, uh, but he is the guy that seems like he has that quarterback one ceiling and you throw him on the bench towards the end of the first round. You probably already got a good quarterback and he could potentially turn into a pretty good trade piece for you. Jeff, did I skip your Drake London pick? I got so I got so excited for Jamison Williams and the transition there. I was like, "Let's do this." I'm sorry on that one, man. I I get excited. Like, no, no, you're done. You're done. I got to talk about my guy. You know, like that's that's the passion. Us is like doing podcasts. We we get to talk about our guys, right? We get excited. Uh, Ian, this is your guy here. Yep, you you already had me talking about him a bunch. I took Trey McBride here. I think if you're in a, a tight end premium type of league, we didn't really talk about if we were doing a tight end premium uh, draft here, but I think uh, Trey McBride could arguably go earlier if you're in a tight end premium. Um, but to get him right around that that 111 spot, I think is a, a major steal, even not in tight end premium. Jeremy, we didn't talk about David Bell at all, so floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I really like David Bell. Um, I. I probably will cool. I mean, I, in season, I had him at the fourth in or the fourth of my top 25, but he's probably going to fall a little bit um, just because some of these other guys have just kind of exploded and been a little or just developed a little better over the back half of the season. But I mean, he led the Big Ten in 2020 with eight touchdowns. He also was second this year to only Jackson Smith, Najigba in yards in the Big Ten. So for me, he averages over 100 yards a game. 
So for me, I just David Bell at this point, at the end of the first round, I would be definitely sold on, um, especially if he lands in Minnesota um, with Dillon possibly moving on. If not, he's that third guy to kind of, he might take a year to slide in. He's going to be a lot like Bateman might not get you a ton in his rookie season, but in year two, David Bell could be a very good possession type receiver. So. I like it a lot. Uh, one thing I'm asking all of our guests when they come on, because everyone's asking me, I'm flooded on in my inbox about people asking about 2023 rookies and where to where to pick them up and how to do things and, and those kind of things based off of this class and next year's class. Jeff, what is your overall philosophy right now when, when people are coming to you and say, hey, where where's the line where I'm trying to trade into next year? What should I be doing for those 23 picks and, and how much is too much? do anything for them i don't you know <laughs> right now <laughs> like i said i think that there's seven guys arguably i think that you look at zach evans jameer gibbs Bijan robinson cj stroud bryce young jackson smith and jigba and Keishon Boutte. i think they all probably would go number one right now in superflex rookie drafts in 22 and then you're pushing towards after that you know you still have tank bigsby you still have jordan addison you still have uh, Michael Mayer, you still have any other quarterback that emerges because we always kind of see guys emerge that have been slept on early. And and I just think that there's so much talent next year and there's so much depth to the talent next year that get these 23 first. And there's, they're hard to come by. They're going to be harder to come by. But the reality of it is, is right now it's probably going to be the easiest that you're going to be able to come by them. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's only yep. going to get harder. In our Smash Except Listener League three, I was using the, um, you know, I was using the DJ Khaled and another one after every trade. I just kept trading back. I was like, <laughs> I was a kid in a candy store. My team's going to suck so bad year one, but I got eight of those twenty three first. I'm so excited. Um, Jeremy, anything to add to that? I mean, like a lot of people are saying, Bijan is, you know, their one hundred one and the the most coveted one hundred one potentially that we've had in a couple of years. There's some of these quarterbacks in that position. What are you telling people when they're like, about how much is too much to pay for these picks and and should they be buying into the hype this far out? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jeff. I definitely buy in. Um, my strategy probably at the moment is I'm actually kind of going to target those early seconds. You know, it's it's hard to forecast that, but if you can forecast your league and see. Hey, this guy's team is not going to be good next year, which mm-hmm. is hard to do. Injuries happen, stuff like that. But target that early second because think of the list that Jeff just listed off. Not all those guys are going in the first round. That was like fifteen and guys. Yeah, everybody's going to want those first picks. Um, so those are going to be the more expensive ones. You might be able to get those early seconds right now at a little bit of an even more discount, and you're still going to get guys like he said. Michael Mayer is going to be there. You're going to have wide receivers there. You're going to have running backs. I mean, there's so many, especially if you're playing superflex. And even a guy that Jeff didn't mention that could come out, he's technically could go to 24 too, but Sean Tucker technically would be able to come out. Um, like there, there's so many of them that like have the potential to come out. Zach Charbonnet went back. I mean, there's all these running backs in that class. There's all these wide receivers and it's just, there's going to be quarterbacks. So in Superflex, those quarterbacks are going to push them back this year. You don't have necessarily those quarterbacks pushing these guys back. So again, Next year, you have two, three, four quarterbacks that could help push even more of these guys back to that early second. So for me, that's where I'm looking to target. Um, unless you really, really need like Bijan, who's is like probably Jonathan Taylor level prospect wise. So for me, I would say then maybe try and get that early first, but you're going to pay a lot for it. You're gonna have you, to, you, yeah. I'm not going to try to butcher his name, but you could also, the Clemson QB, I think, is eligible too, right? DJ, I don't know how to say his last Ugulele name. or Aubrey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think That's he's eligible too. So. Yeah, there, say it again, good. Jeff, for the, those in the back, say it. DJ Uyangalele, you know, he really struggled last yeah. year. He was he was very hyped up, um, but he could bounce back. He's got every physical tool in the bag. It's, if he can put it back together again, he'll be right no, there. Yep. Yeah, those are great points by both of you. And, and really, Jeremy, I love that you're saying buy them seconds because we're all talking about first, right? No one on Twitter is like, hey, go buy them 23 seconds. But that's a good point because those 23 firsts are almost unobtainable. What I always tell everybody is right now, now is it's a cyclical game in Dynasty. Now is not the time to sell 22 firsts. The time to sell that 22 first is on the clock. And now is not the time. If you can buy them 23 firsts, that's fine. But as soon as that 22 draft is over, the 23 draft is those new guys, and they're just only going to go up as well. So it's like, if you have those picks, hold on to them. You know, hit us up. 
Always put hashtag smash accept. Hit us up in the DMs whenever. Guys, thanks for coming on. Loved having you guys on. You know, I, I wish you know we, we had a little bit more time to talk with this, but I always try to keep it to an hour. So I respect your time. I appreciate that. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and uh, anything that's coming out soon? Yeah, you can find me with Football Guys, and then you can find me with the Debbie Royale at 9.30. So here in the next 30 minutes, we're going to be jumping on there and doing that all over again, too. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you guys so much and so happy that I could have this time with you. Thanks, Jeff. I love it, man. And Jeremy, you know, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and, and what's going on with you as well? I second what Jeff said. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's an honor always to be in the company of Jeff and you guys. So I appreciate it. Um, And like I said earlier, the Twitter is at Pope's FFH. That's where most of my stuff's coming out right now. Um, Basically, Twitter threads. I'm rolling through the quarterbacks now. I started with the running backs. Then I'm going to get to wide receivers, tight ends, etc. Hopefully all before the draft. So, um, yeah, check it out there. And writing is at Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Yardsburg. And Ian, you know, close us out. What do you got going on? Who's the thread this week? You know, we're trying to find them values. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to throw a, a, a kind of an interesting one out there uh, where we don't really know what his value is right now in, in Brandon Ayuk. Um, I'm really curious to see how people are, are valuing him. So I'm going to do another thread this Friday of, of how you value him based on 22 draft picks. Um, and you can find me at Super Skull Fan on Twitter. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process which sounds much better now that